Welcome to the podcast, Let the Prophet Speak. Today we are studying the book of Esther, chapter 8. That is Megillat Esther Parakhas. And for those that have been keeping up, would remember that at the end of chapter 7, we learn of the demise of Haman. Haman, who had been responsible for the genocidal decree against the Jewish people, Haman, who had been uplifted by the king and made the second in command. However, Haman's arrogance got the better of him. The king eventually, through the intervention of Queen Esther, learned that Haman was truly the disloyal one, while Mordechai was his loyal assistant. And Mordechai should therefore be uh, raised up in the... Uh, in the ranks of the royal uh, system, and Haman should be hung on the on the on the um, gallows which he had prepared for Mordechai. So at this point, there is still a major problem, and that is is that Haman's decree is still out there. The decree that Haman was responsible for was signed by the king and sent to all of the uh, provinces of the land, and declared that on the 13th day of the month of Adar that um, the people of the kingdom should rise up and slaughter all of the Jewish people, men, women, children combined, and take all of their property. Shalom, the Lord, take all of their property for themselves. And this decree was still out there. So Mordechai uh, now has some work to do. Mordechai and Esther, of course, have some serious work to do to save the people. Haman is gone, their main nemesis is gone, but now they have to work harder. Now remember just the way we've been understanding all of these chapters was that it was a, a, a contest really between what type of loyalty, and I put loyalty in quotes, it, does the king really desire? Does he want the type of loyalty that came from a person like Haman who was flattering of the king, paying off the king with bribes, um, but his intention was to really usurp the king and eventually overtake him would the king fall for that kind of loyalty or will the king admire and advance the loyalty the honest loyalty of mortify the loyalty of someone who is willing to sacrifice himself to the king and the jewish people were presented by haman falsely as people who were disloyal to the king while Esther presented her people to the king as those who would be willing to sacrifice anything for him. And because of the behaviors of Mordechai and Haman, the king realized that Esther and Mordechai were right, and the Jewish people therefore were, deserved to be saved and supported. So with that background, let's look at chapter 8. Bayomahu on that day, meaning the day that the Haman was, was hung in the gallows, was executed. Nasan Esther Hamalka, the king, Achashverosh gave to Esther the queen at Beit Haman Sorer HaYehudim. He gave him the the home or the palace or the of Haman, who was the uh, the enemy. The Sorer is the one who made made the Jews suffer. The enemy of the Jewish people. Mordechai and Mordechai Balif Nehamelach came before the king. Kihigida Esther Mahula, because Esther had now, remember Esther had been hiding who her family was and where she was from, but now Esther had, presumably because Mordechai allowed her to do so because the situation changed, Esther had told him what his relationship to her was. So now the king, 
who knows Mordechai already, who knows him as a loyal supporter, the king now finds out that Mordechai is the cousin and the uh, foster father of Queen Esther. So Mordechai is now coming before the king. He is now in the, raised higher in the king's court. And the king took off his signet ring, the same one which he had removed from Haman prior to Haman's execution. And he gave it to Mordechai. And Esther, now, because the king had given Esther the rights over the house, the palace of Haman, Esther placed Mordechai in charge of the house of Haman. But Tosef Esther, and then Esther continued and spoke, and spoke before the king, because now they had to, just uh, executing Haman and having the rights over his, Haman's property is not going to save the Jewish people. So she spoke before the king, and she fell before his legs. This is, this is just demonstrating how she humbled herself before the king, even in this position, even though now she's... Uh, uh, independently wealthy, and she has this the, the house of Haman, which was presumably a, a special a castle of some sort. But got his in law, and she cried and she supplicated before the king to remove and to um, uh, and to um, repeal the evil decree which Haman the Agagite had. Um, had wrought, had made, and his plans, Asher Chashav al Yehudim, that he had planned to do to the Jewish people. And the king uh, uh, put extended the his golden scepter towards Esther, Esther, and Esther then stood up because she was prostrated before the king. But once he put out the scepter and touched her with it, she was allowed to stand. And then she then stood up before the king. And she said, If this is okay with the king, always with this very, very humble language, and if I have found favor in the king's eyes, and this thing seems right to the king. She's leaving all of the judgment in the eyes of the king. Remember, when Haman spoke with the king, he did not speak with nearly this kind of deference. And then a fourth phrase, and I am good in his eyes. In other words, the king realizes that my path, my path of humility and my path of, of loyalty is, is, is good for the king. And the king likes me and, 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 and likes the path that I've chosen. So then he could save, let the king write, to repeal and to take back those scrolls, those decrees that were the Machshevet Haman ben that were the product of the devious thoughts of Haman, the son of Hamdata, the Agagite. Asher Kotav, that he had written to, to destroy the Jews, Asher that are located throughout all of the provinces of the king. Because how could I possibly? Uh, go on, and while I see this evil fate that is going to befall my nation, and how could I be able to withstand and still be able to see the of Dan when I see the destruction of of the people uh, in which I was born? So the king, so this this plea is just a plea of crying, a plea of humility, a plea. Of definitely loyalty to the king, 
but uh, please, please repeal these these decrees. However, unfortunately, the king could not do that, and we'll see why in a minute. And the king said to Esther, to Esther the queen, and to Mordechai the Jew, Behold, this is the house of Haman that I have given to Esther. The Oso Toluwalaites, and we hung Haman on the gallows Asher Shalachyado by Yehudim. That he he is the one who sent his hand out against the Jews. In other words, he he had plotted to hurt them. So that much I've done. The and it's in other words, what he's saying is is that I've given you power and prestige. The king cannot, and we'll see why in a minute, why that he cannot repeal the decree. But he's trying to. Put, point out something to Esther and Mordechai, give them the ability to do something to countermand that decree. So the first thing he does is he establishes, I have given you the house of Haman, meaning I have given you the, um, I have removed your enemy, your, uh, your primary arch enemy, and I have given you the trappings of power. I've given you a palace. I've given you a, a special house, which people look at as the house of the second to the king. In other words, I've uplifted you so that when people look at you, they see that you are the one who has the king's favor. You are the one that has the power and might of the Persian empire behind you. So now I'm going to give you, I'm going to tell you what to do to get to save your people. The Atem, and now you, Kitzbu al Hayudim, you write regarding the Jews. Katov be'enechem, however you want to write B'Shem HaMelech in the name of the king. This is your plan. You decide to write which decree needs to be written in order to save the Jews from this decree. V'chismu b'tabat HaMelech. And you can seal it with the seal of the king. And why is it that I don't just simply repeal it? Ki chetav asher nichtav B'Shem HaMelech. Because once something is written in the name of the king, v'nachtom b'tabat HaMelech, and it is sealed with the signet ring of the king, eim l'hashiv, we cannot take it back. Once in the Persian rules are, once it's signed and sealed by the king, it can never be taken back. There's no such thing as a decree that can be repealed. They didn't have a system of repeal back then, at least in Persia. So therefore, what I'm telling you is, I'm giving you honor. I'm showing the people how high you up are in my kingdom. I'm giving you the power to write whatever you want. And whatever you write, you can figure out a way now to use that to, so, so, to, to save the people. And remember, this whole issue, the whole fight here, the whole disagreement was a issue between Haman and Mordechai. Whether the path of who is going to show, who is going to be the one who gets the favor of the king. Is it the one that acts like Mordechai, the one that acts like the Queen Esther, who who is loyal, who is faithful, who is honest, or is it going to be the arrogant and selfish one and the one who lies and is full of hate like Haman? So Mordechai and Esther can now show the people of Persia that it is they who have been determined to be the ones who have the favor of the king. So therefore, they called up the scribes of the king at that time, which was the third month, the month of Sivan, on the 23rd day of Sivan. So this is, you know, several months before the, the day of the 13th. So there was time for this decree to be disseminated and, and, and absorbed by the people. And and it was written 
everything that Mordechai commanded should be written regarding the Jewish people. And these decrees were sent out to all of the, the um, uh, and, uh, I'm sorry, I made a mistake. And it was written, everything that Mordechai commanded, El Hayehudim, directed to the Jews. In other words, the, uh, and this is interesting because last time they sent out a decree, they sent it to every Medina or Medina, every province according to its language and its alphabet. But it wasn't sent to the Jews because they didn't have a Medina. They didn't have a place that was there. So there was nothing sent. But this decree was written to to the Medina, to the provinces, but also to the Jews and to all of the leaders, the, the satraps and the governors, Visareha Medinos, and those who were in charge of the various provinces, Asher Mehodiviadkush, that were spread across the kingdom from India all the way to Ethiopia, Sheva Vyasur Mumea Medina, all 127 provinces, Medina, Medina Kirsava, every province according to its writing, its alphabet, Vyamva Amkil Shono, and every nation according to its language, the El Hayehudim, and to the Jewish people also Kirsavam according to their writing, presumably in their language of Hebrew, Vikil Shonam, and according to their language. So this this one was different. This itself considering the Jewish people to be a nation worthy of getting the message in their own language and so on is a recognition of the importance of the Jewish people in the kingdom, just like those Medinos, which, uh, which is a very important idea and reflects some of, a lot of the things that we've been talking about. Um, so, and, and Ham, because if you remember, Haman tried to say, they don't even have a Medina, they're worthless to you. They don't bring you any land, they don't bring you any property, they don't bring you any wealth. Um, so, you know, they, they don't have their own nation. So, and, and so Haman kind of set them apart in that way. But Mordechai is including them. Mordechai is demonstrating that they are important to the king. And the, his decree, we didn't yet read what he wrote. We we're about to read that. And it was written in the name of the king Achashverosh. And it was signed with the signet ring of the king. And these, the decrees were sent via Haratzim. Through the runners, basusim by horses, those that were riding um, the, uh, the big horses uh, um, uh, that are used uh, in the service of the king, that the, the horses that were bred by the king to be fast and strong horses. And what was it that was written? That the king has now given to the Jewish people that are in every city to gather and defend their lives. The idea here being that by declaring in the name of the king and with the power of the king's palace behind them that the Jews can defend themselves, they show that the, the tide has turned in a different direction and that the there yes, there is a there was a decree to kill the Jews, but the Jews now have the support of the kingdom behind them and that they can stand up and defend themselves. This is key. This is a key word that some people miss when they uh, read this verse. They had permission to defend themselves, to destroy and to kill and to um, exterminate whom et kolchel am umedina, the armies of any nation or province, hatsarim otam, that was that was making them suffer. In other words, they had permission to defend themselves only against those people who come to attack them. 
So even though the language of Hashmid Harug al-Abed is pretty strong language, that they were given permission to kill, it wasn't an indiscriminate genocidal killing. It was to, to destroy et kol chel, the armies specifically, of the nations that attacked them. And then it says, taf v'noshim, and also of those that attacked them, the women and children, ushlalam lavoz. And they can also plunder from those people who attack them, they can plunder their, the property after they defend themselves. Now, there are problematic parts of this verse. One, you know, the, giving a command to the Jewish people to kill women and children and shlalam lavoz and to despoil, you know, and to plunder the property of the people that they kill seems barbaric. However, it's a, let's bear this in mind. One thing, first of all, we'll understand this a lot better in the next chapter when we see what actually happened. So that's number one. So what, uh, so I'm going to leave you in a little bit of suspense, but I'm going to leave you a little bit bothered. You can be bothered, morally bothered by this decree. I'm only going to state one other thing regarding this, though. And that is that, number one, it was clearly stated against El Kolchel, against the armies, and it was also not indiscriminate. It was only against those that are Tsarim Otam, only against those that come to attack them. So it was clearly a decree of self-defense. But the strength of this decree was clearly meant to show that the Jews now had the same support that from the king that Haman had before these events happened, that Haman had last time. The purpose was to sow fear among the enemy, to show that they that they had a lot to lose by attacking. This because remember, there still is a decree on the books to kill the Jews, also signed by the king. So the only the only way that Mordechai and Esther had was to number, show their strength, show their royalty, uh, uh, um, show how they've been raised in the royal house, and to, sh and to sow fear in the pub public in order to defend the Jews. But remember, that's only part of the answer as to why this decree was so sounds so harsh and was written with such strong language. The rest of the answer we'll find out in the next chapter when we read what happened. And when will they do this? On one particular day, in all of the provinces of the King Achashverosh, the Jews will have one day to do what we just described, to defend themselves and kill those that come to attack them. And what day is that? On the 13th day of the month. So he's clearly stating the Jews don't have the right to go and plunder and kill just random. But that specific day on which their lives are in danger because of the decree, on that specific day, we're giving them permission to stand up for themselves and defend themselves. The text of the document, the Hinat and Das, was placed uh, in the annals of law, in each and every province, and it was open to be read by all of the nations to be publicized. And so that the Jewish people should be prepared for this day. This is a mirror of the same language that the original document against the Jews was, that we're sending this out to be a public document so that everyone should be prepared to kill the Jews on this day. And now we're using the same language in the opposite, saying so that the Jews should be prepared to defend themselves to avenge themselves against their enemies. So this is specifically uh, directed against their enemies. Aratzim, the runners, and the ones who are riding the, the big, strong royal horses, Yatsum and Bohalim, they left in a rush, and, and, and 
um, in urgent, uh, with urgency, by the command of the king, and the rule and the law was laid down in the capital Shushan. So here, verse 15, Mordechai, now Yatsam Milfine Amalach, left from before the king, Bilush Malchus, dressed in royal robes, Tchelet Bahor, in um, blue wool and um, and white, Vateret Zahav Gedola, and a large golden crown, Vitachrich Butzviar Gamon, and a mantle of fine linen and purple wool, Vyair Shushan, Solav Samecha, in the city of Shushan. Presumably, the, the the Jews of the city of Shushan were happy and 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 joyous. In verse sixteen, la Yehudim, and for the Jews, I saw Ora. There was light, v'simcha, and there was happiness, v'sasol, and there was joy, bikar, and there was honor. This word honor is important. Why is Mordechai all of a sudden taking on this mantle and and wearing the royal clothes when Mordechai was the humble one who wasn't interested in the royal clothes? Again, this is what is necessary in order to. Sh- to save the Jewish people. He had to show that it was he and it was the one who was loyal to the king and it was the Jews who are the truly loyal ones to the king and that have the power and the might of the Persian Empire behind them. Otherwise, if it he doesn't otherwise the attack against the Jews will still take place on the thirteenth day of Adar. He has to make show that the people will will not um you know that that the masses will not rise against the Jews, but turn the tide so that much, many more of those masses will either join the Jews or defend the Jews in their defense. And this is what and and the, the next verse after talking about Mordechai dressing like that says that he accomplished exactly that. So what I'm saying is not just my understanding of of what Mordechai is doing, which is which is reasonable enough. But the verse itself says so, because the next verse says, in every one of the provinces of and in every city, wherever the words of the king and his laws reached, there was happiness and joy for the Jewish people. There were parties and holidays. And many of the people from the other nations of the land, there's several ways you can translate this, but Mityahadim became Jews. In other words, they either meaning that they allied themselves with the Jews, or that means that they um, actually converted to Judaism because they saw that Judaism was on the ascendancy. Because the fear of the Jews fell upon them when they realized that the might of the Persian Empire was behind them. So now we are set up for a situation which we're going to study in the next chapter, is what happened on the 13th day of Adar when the Jew haters had a decree and permission to kill them and the Jews had a decree and permission to defend themselves, but the wave of popular support was now leaning in the Jewish direction. Thank you so much for studying chapter 8 together. Looking forward to studying chapter 9 and the rest of the book of Esther together.